Hello and welcome to the No Longer Be Children podcast. I'm your host, Josiah Meyer, and we are in pursuit of a mature and stable Christian worldview. And today I would like to talk to you about anxiety, because um, I'm not sure if you've noticed, but there's a global pandemic happening. Um, and I'm feeling anxious. I imagine others are too. I'll, uh, well, I just preached a sermon last Sunday and I talked about post-traumatic stress disorder. And I just mentioned briefly at the beginning that I've had other, other battles that are harder to describe, such as burnout and anxiety and, um, and, uh, uh culture shock and um you know part of um yeah part of the reason that we we just stepped out of ministry um and there were a lot of reasons for that um one one of the reasons was that the support was down um the main reason was we just felt like god was telling us it was time and we just couldn't put our finger on why exactly we were it was actually kind of frustrating people would be like what are you doing it's a huge major life change and we're like god's just telling us it's time to go um and we didn't have anything more concrete than that um but one of the things that we're doing as we're out of ministry now is um we're working on ourselves we're getting healthy we're getting counseling we're reading a lot of books on emotional and mental health and um and so these topics are right on the tip of my mind. And I actually know a fair bit about them just because that's what I'm going through. And um, so if I ask who out there is struggling with anxiety, um, I'm going to be the first one to put my hand up and say, yeah, um, that's a struggle I have. That's something that I need help with. And also something that I'm I know tools. I've got tools. Um, I'm working on more tools, and um, and I'd like to share some of those tools. I don't think it's um, I don't think it's a weakness to to admit that you have anxiety. I think that people that don't have anxiety right now, or well, people that aren't worried right now, don't know what's going on. Um, I think that this is a time to be awake and fundamentally um, our body the, the idea of worry is our body being awake and saying let's make sure we know what's going on let's make sure that we're safe let's make sure the kids are safe I think that's the right response right now you still meet people that are like oh I'm not worried I'm not I'm not doing anything different I'm still going to travel to wherever I'm still going to you know do all these things, go to these gatherings. Um, I think that's part of the problem right now, uh, and we'll talk about that in a little bit. Um, so I don't think it's wrong to be awake right now, and I don't think it's a weakness to be able to admit that um, when you're awake and you're paying attention and you're trying to help people understand this is a really big deal you need to wash your hands you need to maybe stay home um this is not going to blow over in a few days well then it's hard to let the let that go and it's hard to sleep at night and it's hard to calm down um and uh i think that it's a strength to be able to admit you know what this is hard and i need to think consciously about how to do this i do have a problem with anxiety and um you know don't i don't have a debilitating problem with anxiety attacks it is something that people have um but the it's a problem and it's okay to admit that you have a problem because people that say that they don't have a problem um might be a pride thing might just be a lack of self-awareness um, and when you're not aware of a problem, you can't fix it. And then somebody else, invariably, if you're not aware of your, of your emotional problems, you're not able to fix them and you're requiring the people around you to fix them. The people around you have to try and 
you know, you're anxious. And so the people around you have to try and calm you down or the people around you have to try and get out of your way. And so it's a real strength if you can say, yes, raise my hand. I am anxious. I'm having trouble here. Okay, great. Let's talk about that. And then you can use tools to calm yourself down so that you're not asking the world to read your cues, to read your face, to read the way that you walk into a room and be like, oh, dad's stressed. Oh, mom's stressed. Okay, everybody run away. Everybody do this, do that to accommodate her. It's an unhealthy place to be. It's not a healthy thing to demand of your kids. So, um, basically, what I just said is that I want you to be stressed at least a little bit. Um, and likely you are stressed more than a little bit. And if you are, um, we also need to be able to let that stress go. And to be conscious of what's going on. So here's some tools for that. First of all, let's let's just think about what's going on in our bodies so and i mentioned this in the i just preached a sermon on um caring for unseen wounds and talked about the good samaritan and how um, the good samaritan helped physically but his help also helped mentally and psychologically and we talked about some of the things that happen in the brain when you get traumatized and stressed so you can go back and listen to that and one of the main things that um, is helpful to know is that your brain, you can visualize it like this. Your brain has layers. There is a left and a right part of your brain, which is relevant, but not relevant for this discussion. And then there's layers. So the front part of your brain is the prefrontal cortex. That's where you think. Your That's where speech is. That's where most of your rational thoughts are. Uh, it's way more complicated than this, but this is just kind of your, your, this is what, how somebody explained it to me. And this is how I'll explain it to you further back from that kind of your midbrain is sometimes called the mammalian brain because all mammals have that part of the brain. And it's, it's kind of your basic, um, herd instinct. You know, mammals often are in herds. They care about one another. They care for their young. Um, there's, basic social things in there uh there's um what else um there's a lot of different things that the that the mammalian brain does that mammals do that other animals don't generally speaking i mean and then way down at the, at the base of your of um around your brain stem as your your spinal cord comes up into your brain is what some people call the reptilian brain and this is, of course, because a lot of scientists believe in evolution. I know a lot of my listeners don't. I don't really care at this point. I mean, we'll talk about that later. Um, but I honestly don't care because there's tons of Christians that believe in evolution. So I don't think it's it's a do-or-die issue anymore for Christians. Um, I should do a podcast on that sometime. Um, and the reptilian brain does the things that reptiles do. Um, and it's a very basic part of the brain, but it's also very instinctual and very, very powerful. Things happen in the reptilian brain um, that you don't realize are happening. It's not like a thought enters your head. Oh, that person bothers me. It's your gut tenses up, you know, because you see something. And this is a brain function, right? But you see this person, for example. And the way that they're walking strikes a chord. It, it just, that reminds you of something, something dangerous. And, well, think about this. Think of a gunman entering the room. And you look up, and you don't see the gun, but you see the way he's walking. You see his eyebrows. You see his posture. You see the aggression written all over his face. Something in your reptilian brain is going to go into fight or flight mode because if you're awake and you see somebody like that even if you've never in your life seen that that facial expression and that paw and and somebody walking exactly like that you're going to know something's off most people will know something is off if you're awake and if you're paying attention and and you know again Something will happen in your gut right away. Something will happen in your shoulders. You'll feel tension in your shoulders. You'll feel um, 
a jolt of energy to your legs. And what's happening is adrenaline is being released. And what adrenaline does is it um, opens up your pupils so that you can collect more light. And then it focuses your eyes so that you get tunnel vision. Um, it shuts down your peripheral vision because it's your brain is saying, what's at the periphery of my vision is doesn't matter. I need to focus on the danger, the threat, which is right in front of me. I need to know everything about that. Um, which is why in movies, some to to simulate this, um, they'll uh, they'll use a fisheye lens, and and you'll be looking at the threat, and then all of a sudden it will seem to get bigger, and everything else in the background will get smaller. And when you see that in a screen, it kind of gives you the creeps because it it that's what it feels like when you have a huge amount of adrenaline. Is you just that thing in the front gets bigger and bigger, and the peripheral vision drops away. Um, some of the other things that happen when you get adrenaline, um, all the blood leaves your digestive system and it goes to your, uh, and the way it does that is the muscles just contract and squeeze the blood out. And then, which is what gives you that, that tight feeling in your gut. And then it goes to your arms and legs so that you're ready to do battle. You're ready to either f fight or, uh, to, or flight to run, um, you get goosebumps because, um, well, again, th they would say this is from evolution, uh, but uh, all your hairs are standing on end, <laughs> which, you know, our hairs aren't very impressive. But if you had long hair, supposedly through evolution, we used to have long hair and everything would stand on end and then you'd look bigger and badder and meaner. So nowadays it's like, oh, wow, <laughs> he's got goosebumps. Um, it doesn't make you any bigger, badder, or meaner, but it's it's a physiological response that you can say, wow, something's happening. Um, I feel different uh, if I look at my skin. It looks a little bit different. And other things too, you, uh, your, your mouth will go dry. Again, your body's not interested in eating or digesting right now. Your, your saliva um, dries up. And... Um, you know, your skin will feel pale and cool in some places and feel very warm in other places because of, of where the blood is going. And uh, there, there's other things, but basically that's what adrenaline does. It tells you it's time to fight. It's time to go. Um, and there's three basic responses when you have adrenaline. If the danger is stronger than you, but weaker, you're going to turn tail and run. And this is going to happen like before you're even thinking of it, you're going to feel this instinct to run. If you see a real danger, um, say there's a dog in the street and it is just like, rah, 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 like a really angry, its lips are pulled back, you can see its teeth, but it is a fat dog. <laughs> it is a really big overfed, you know, pit bull or something that can barely walk. But say it's limping after you in the street and just like, rah, rah, you're going to turn around and run and you're going to hope that that fat limping dog can't keep up because you're going to get out of there and you're going to run, you know, all the way home. And when you get home, you're going to feel like keeping on running because you just, you got so much energy and you're going to want to pace in circles and tell your wife about it and post on Facebook 10 times and can't believe that dog was out there. And you're going to be going back and forth, back and forth because you're, you're high on adrenaline, right? It's a drug. Adrenaline is a drug. Well, it's a hormone that your body secretes. Uh, if the danger is slower than you, um, or if it's weaker than you, um, but faster, then you're going to stay and fight. Uh, and so again, I'm thinking of a dog. Uh, you don't want to be turning and running from a dog uh, if you can help it, because that's going to wake up their uh, predator response and if you see a dog that's that's barking at you most dogs are smaller than you and say you're running down the street this happened to me a few years ago I still remember it vividly uh, because I got chased down by two dogs that were barking at me very aggressively and what I did is I turned around and I yelled at them and I raised my arms and I made myself look as big as I could and the dogs 
you know, pull back and, and had to think about whether they wanted to attack me or not. Unfortunately, I, I said, you know, I, yelling at them didn't really work, but I said, bad dog, go home. And they both, both whipped around and, and ran home. So that was good. Their owners had told them bad dog. Their owners didn't tie them up. Uh, but at one point in their lives, they had been told bad dog. Uh, and that worked to, to save me from some, some owies. So either we run or we stay and fight. But if you can't run and you can't flee, then you freeze. And this is where uh, adrenaline goes in a dark direction. Um, so you can imagine a rabbit. A rabbit can't get away, um, potentially, like from a wolf or, or a fox or something. The, the enemy might be faster than the rabbit and have more endurance. And it certainly can't fight. And so the rabbit will just freeze. And if it freezes, hopefully the predator will pass on by because most mammals rely heavily on their vision. And um, if it passes by, that's fine. But if it doesn't pass by um, and the threat continues to be there or the, you know, the, the predator finds it, then the um then the brain goes into kind of crisis mode and it kind of goes ah we we're being eaten um and um this is a sensitive hard thing to talk about but i think that um our brain does have a way when we go through trauma and we can't run we can't fight we freeze but the trauma still happens we can feel like Everything is falling apart. I'm dying. And um, that's a terrible thing to feel for your brain to feel like I'm dying. This is the trauma is too much. And so I really think that we need to understand these things and understand how to tell your brain it's okay. You're not dying. The trauma is not too much for us. And these are really, really important on, on like a, a subconscious level. You know, our brain back there, our reptilian brain, the parts of our brain that are secreting adrenaline, um, we need to tell it the messages that it needs because it doesn't know what's going on. Yeah, fundamentally, it just understands threats. And the things we read in the news and, and think about and talk about, and it, it just understands bits and pieces and understands we're in a threat and the threat is getting worse and it's getting worse. Oh no, we're going to die. Um, you don't want your brain to think that you're going to die. You don't want your brain to think that you're frozen. The threat is too much. It's overwhelming um, because it's going to um, basically, um, I believe that brains learn that there's a time to die. And um, let's talk about cortisol, and then I'll talk more about that. So cortisol, um, there's two hormones in your brain. One is adrenaline. Well, there's, uh, there's a lot more. But for stress, there's basically two. There's adrenaline that gets secreted in the moment. Cortisol is kind of more long-term. So if you think about that rabbit running away from wolves, um, let's just say that he ran away from wolves, and or he froze, and the wolves walked by. So then he has this experience of, wow, that was close. And if you've ever said, wow, that was close, that's, you've likely had cortisol released because cortisol is the let's stay awake hormone. It says that was close. Let's pay attention. There's still wolves in the area. That could happen again. Let's fix the problem so that that never happens again. And that cortisol is not adrenaline it's longer term it's it's a slower burn um but it's going to activate the parts of your brain that are going to try and figure out how to solve that problem because your brain is trying to keep you alive fundamentally and so cortisol is going to be secreted and it's going to activate more of your midbrain more of your frontal prefrontal cortex to try and say okay figure out what's going on um there's wolves in the area how are we going to protect ourselves? Where do we need to go? Do we need to run further, you know, up into the mountains if you're a rabbit? Or if you're a human dealing with the coronavirus, 
Do we need to wash our hands? Do we need to sanitize? Do we need to cancel the trip? Do we need to not go to work? What if I don't go to work? Then I don't get paid. What about, you know, and, and your, your brain's going to kind of start spinning. But as we're going to talk about in a second, that's not a bad thing necessarily. You need to be awake. Um, but it can be a bad thing because you need to be asleep sometimes too. Your body still needs this. And cortisol does all the things that adrenaline does, but on a, on a smaller scale. So if you are um, continually secreting cortisol, and you can do cortisol over a long period of time. In fact, being hyped up on cortisol can become addictive. And I think that a lot of us have a low-grade addiction to cortisol that we feed through Facebook um, and other social media, but especially through Facebook. And because it does feel good, and um, it do, there is something about having the brain spinning on certain issues. It's, you know, usually up till now, it's been kind of global issues. The world is going downhill. There's wars over there. Um, there's pollution. There's, you know, all these things. Oh, no, we need to fix them. And so our brain secretes cortisol, and then it starts spinning around in circles. And we post things on social media, and, and we're worried about them. And and what that the reason that's addictive is because it keeps us from dealing with maybe some deeper issues. Maybe there's some pain in our heart that we don't really want to think about or talk about. And so it can become addictive to just spin, 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 spin. It can also just be, you know, most addictive behavior is just entered into because it's addictive, right? And you just start spinning and you don't realize you're spinning. And... Uh, I really appreciate my wife because she'll tell me, like, you're spiraling, like, you need to calm down. And we both know what that means, and it means, you know, calm down. <laughs> and whatever you're worried about, stop worrying about it. Um, that's a difficult thing to tell somebody that's worrying, just to stop worrying. But my, you know, my wife and I have a great relationship where she's able to tell me, like, you know, you're, you're, you're spinning. Um, and I'll often try and fix everything you know like I'm going to do a podcast about this and that's going to help and I'm going to do a podcast about that and that's going to help and, and I'm going to write a book and I'm going to do this and, and she's just like well like just calm down you, you can't fix everything and then I do calm down and I have a nap and I tell my body it's okay and I'm safe and then the one thing that's important comes to the front and right now it's this podcast on anxiety Okay, I want to back up and talk about um, death. Oh, um, yeah, so cortisol. What what happens over the long run if you keep spinning, spinning, spinning? Um, it does all the things that adrenaline does. But, you know, it's great to have a shot of adrenaline. It's actually good for you to have a shot of adrenaline. It gets the blood flow flowing. It gets you moving your big muscle uh, groups. Um, it's good for you. But you don't want it happening too often. And cortisol just kind of keeps you in that awake mode all the time. And it shuts off your digestive system because, you know, who needs to digest that steak if you're being chased around uh, a tree by a tiger? If you're being chased around a tree by a tiger, take all that blood from the from the, your guts and put it in your, your legs, right? So, but... Over the long run, you need to digest well. That is the foundation of your health. That is the foundation of everything, is being able to digest. Getting all the nutrients out of your food, being able to push out the food, the rest of the food before it turns toxic in your system. You need to have a good digestion. Good digestion is good health. That's shut down if you're sp spiraling all the time, if you're always spinning the other thing that gets shut down is, um, well, uh, your immune system gets shut down. So you might notice um, if you get really, really stressed about something, like you have a shock and you get like really worked up, like there's a death in the family or you get served with a legal notice or something like that, you get really, really, really worked up and really angry and maybe you have to like write a, a letter in response or you need to grieve or whatever oftentimes after that you get the sniffles at least sometimes you get more sick 
than the sniffles. And the reason for that is, again, uh, your body is prioritizing and saying, we don't need to spend resources on the, on the immune system. We're going to spend all our resources on adrenaline, hype up the brain function, do the things we need to do. So cortisol over the long run is going to diminish how much energy is going to your immune system. And that means that um, some of, well, it means you're going to get sick more often. It also means that um, things like um, longer term diseases, uh, such as cancer, such as, um, you know, well, diabetes comes in, but for a different reason. Um, other sorts of diseases can pop up because uh, the immune system is not doing its job. It's not killing the cancer when it's small. It's not killing, you know, um, the virus or, or the, the bacteria or the fungus when it's small. And it's allowing something to take a foothold that then causes long-term difficulties. Um, diabetes comes in because uh, adrenaline turns everything to sugar or it secretes more sugar. And so you can actually have a healthy diet and cause stress on your pancreas. Your pancreas is what manages your sugar levels by secreting insulin. You can cause stress on your pancreas by uh, being in adrenaline mode all the time because um, you eat something that might be a reasonable amount of food. Um, but then your body goes into adrenaline mode and it turns it all to sugar so that now you have tons of energy but then that that's too much sugar and it can cause stress on your system can even lead towards um, type 2 diabetes or even towards type 1 diabetes or can if you have if you have some of the genetic predisposition it can lead in that direction so um, you don't want cortisol in your system long term you want to be able to have the adrenaline spikes deal with it calm down Another thing that cortisol shuts down is serotonin. And serotonin is one of two hormones in the brain. Um, I believe uh, there's two that makes you happy. And serotonin makes you happy in, um, in a very specific way. Serotonin is the hormone that lets you know that all is well in the world. And uh, if you've studied ancient Hebrew and you know the word shalom, Shalom is serotonin. It's the word to describe serotonin. Because shalom means peace, but it doesn't just mean like peace sign, like have a good day. Like It doesn't mean the absence of war. The Greek word for peace means the absence of war. The Hebrew word shalom means a lot more than that. It means all is right in the world. We are at peace. And you just have this mental picture of a farmer that wakes up kisses his wife his wife is healthy his wife is happy and loves him and his kids are there they wake up and they're healthy and they're happy and they love him opens the door the sun is shining it has rained overnight everything is green everything is good there's no wars his fields are producing and he says shalom shabbat you know and, and he blesses the lord and he all is good that is shalom that is peace in the biblical sense. And that is serotonin. When things are good like that, then your brain will secrete serotonin. And serotonin tells you it's time to digest. It's time to fight. It's time to, you know, just take a nap. Just take an afternoon nap. There's, we have time. Just lay back in your lazy boy and just, just nap. Just sleep. And then your digestive system starts to work and just digests stuff and gets all the good out of it, rejects all the bad, does a little bit of a micro cleanse and just, you know, your liver is able to do its thing and just get all the bad out and, and accept all the good. And your immune system is able to just be strong and dedicated to its task and, and focus on the right things, not the wrong things. Sometimes when we're in an unhealthy state, the... the um, the immune system can attack the wrong things. Um, 
and sometimes it attacks the wrong things and we don't know why uh, and that's a terrible thing uh, but anyways um, and we're and, and sleep well and as we sleep you know all those things that the body does to restore itself it's able to do uh, to clean out all the dead cells dead tissues and rebuild and and our mind becomes in a healthier state. We're not spinning in circles. We're able to think clearly and rationally about things. All these things happen when serotonin is released. But if we're spiraling and spinning, we can't release serotonin because our brain is saying, no, it's not a time to calm down. It's not a time to digest. We need to figure out this problem. We need to solve this problem. And we do need to solve problems. And we need to do need to solve this problem as a society, as a world. But we also need to sleep and we also need to calm down. And um, the thing is, is when we are on serotonin all the time, uh, sorry, when we are on cortisol, we don't release serotonin. And serotonin makes us happy. And serotonin makes us feel like life is worth living. Um, literally, it makes us feel like life is worth living. Um, and happiness... This is a weird thing, and it's something that I'm having to integrate into my theology, is understanding that most of our emotions are chemicals, or are based on chemicals. And so you think of rejoice in the Lord, you know. Um, there's, a, there's a chemical in your brain that makes you rejoice. We are chemical machines. There is a chemical side of us. That doesn't mean we don't have a spirit, but there is a chemical component of our emotions. And when that chemical component of joy is missing, then life becomes gray and life becomes empty. And when life is empty and gray, then it's hard to, it, it can become hard to get up in the morning. Deep depression can start setting in. It can start becoming a pattern. And... So anxiety can lead towards depression, which can can become a pattern. And now we get back to what we said before about feeling trapped and feeling stuck and feeling like there is no way to solve this problem. Talking about the brain as, you know, um, a machine. There are animals, such as a flying squirrel, for example, that um, when they know they're going to die... They just die. If they think they're going to die, they just die. So you can pick up a flying squirrel. If if you cut down a tree, there's a story I heard about a guy, a guy that cut down a tree. There was a nest of flying squirrels. And they were so cute. And he wanted to keep one as a pet and raise it. You can do this with red squirrels. You can ra raise a red squirrel and it'll be afraid, but it'll get over it. And, and you can have a pet. And so he thought he would take this flying squirrel home and, and he put it in his pocket and he was dead. He, it hadn't been hurt or in, in any way. And this is something that flying squirrels do. And you can understand why. Flying squirrels are a very small animal. It's preyed on by other animals. It's eaten alive. Uh, it doesn't want to be eaten alive if it's going to die. It just says, okay, fine, I'm going to die. And I think that there's circuitry in our brain that at a certain point says, okay, we're dying. Um, I'm just going to die. Life isn't worth living. And I think, again, that these decisions can happen way down in what might be called the reptilian brain, that it just decides, I give up. Uh, life isn't worth living. There's, there's too much. We're not going to win this fight. And that can be a very difficult place to be in when the awake part of your brain, the, the prefrontal cortex, the part of you that's thinking is saying, wait, no, I do want to keep fighting. But deep down, the body is shutting down and saying, I don't care. I don't want to get up. I don't want to get out of bed in the morning. I don't want to fight this anymore. Let's just let it happen. Let's just let it take us. Let's just give up. So I want to avoid us getting there. And the way to avoid us getting there is to shut down this anxiety and this cortisol and these levels of stress before they become endemic before that becomes a pattern and um, we need to keep healthy rhythms happening so that there is a time to sleep so that there is a time to rest so that there are times when you're just 
on the couch absolutely sprawled out and vegging because vegging is really really important for your body and you so that your body can secrete serotonin and know all is well in the world so that you can have the will to live and um and you can avoid depression and also you can be a much more agreeable person uh, nobody wants to i mean you want to be the best person you can be for your kids right that's what you want you want to be happy you want to be healthy you want to be aware of things and protecting them but you also you want there to be enough of you left for your kids that your your kids remember you as like that was a good person you know that raised me it was a good person and i'm better because of them so let's talk about that how do we um how do we live through a global pandemic understanding that there are things to be afraid of understanding there's things we need to do without getting stuck in cycles of serotonin and without those cycles of serotonin beating us down to the point where we wonder if life is even worth living and we're in a very or may, or giving us other illnesses you know causing us to be sick in long-term ways so i think probably unsurprisingly the first thing is going to be about social media um we need to control our influx of news we need to stay informed and that is um that is unquestionable i think we need to know what's going on we need to know where um the virus is and what precautions we need to take and as we keep learning more about uh covid-19 it's kind of an evolving thing where we're learning more every day um they're working hard on a vaccine looking forward to that coming out um we're learning more information about you know the ages it affects and everything like that I'm not going to get into that direction because you have other ways of finding out news um we do need to stay informed but the problem with social media is we can any spare moment in the day we tend to flick on the phone and look at facebook and that means that we can be continually 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 have this information in front of our minds and some of us have an unhealthy addiction to to this already and we already like to look at bad news and we already like to spiral our brains a little bit uh because it distracts us from the parts of our life that we don't like to deal with but when there's something so bad and so imminent um this coping strategy becomes a dark strategy and it becomes something that convin- that can convince our brain that the danger is here and imminent and too big for us and that and then we can never sleep we can never wind down and we can't be there emotionally present for our kids so what i would suggest is pick a time in the day when you're going to inform yourself and maybe i'm just picking arbitrarily but 1:00 would be an excellent time because you wake up um you figure out your day you do your day whatever you're going to do you have a productive morning you know maybe if you have your kids at home maybe if you're unemployed or you have canceled shifts you're home with your kids figure out what you're going to do <clears throat> you're going to you know two days ago I shoveled off my roof and I created trails in the in the yard and I moved into our new home more built some shelves and things had a good productive morning while the sun is shining got something done moved my big muscle masses like our big muscle groups did something um built something those things all feel good right they they make you feel like you're accomplishing something you're doing something then when a clock comes around all right so what's the news open up facebook read it go on your government website read it what's the update how many cases where is it any new thing that we need to know to protect ourselves okay cuz we do still need to be informed and i think our brain wants us to be informed like our our subconscious brain is like i don't want you to just to tell me not to worry our brain is telling you you do need to worry uh we do need to be awake you you can't just shove things down that are worrisome that'll come out in dreams that'll come out in other ways it'll come out in in your body just being anxious and you don't know why so we do need to be informed and then so you know find a time 
look at the news and then take time to listen to your fears you know maybe you need to take out a journal and be like okay all right fear talk to me what's the worst that can happen start writing it out face it turn and face that angry dog and write out the things that you need to be aware of and and um and then write out what is your contingency plan um how are we going to solve this in the ways that we can you know think about if i get sick <clears throat> this is what i'm going to do to solve that uh if some if a family member gets sick this is what i'm going to do to solve that and those are are solvable problems right um you've gotten the flu before <clears throat> And we do have a medical system here in Canada and the United States. Um, those are solvable problems. Look at the worst case scenario. Figure out how you're going to solve that. Look at financial problems. If you lose your job, if you lose shifts, what's that? Um, how are you going to solve that? And um, I might do a podcast later on that. There are things, well, our government just stepped forward and said they're going to give us a bunch of money. Um which I think is going to help a lot of people. <clears throat> There's also things that people should look into, such as, um, well, they can talk directly to their bank about deferring their mortgage for a few months, uh, up to six months if they lose work. Um, if you're, if you're um, somebody that has a lot of consumer debt, you have credit cards and you do the buy now, pay later thing at the you know, buy TVs and appliances and cars and, and you have payment plans. Something that you can look into and that you need to look into is how much interest you're paying. And if you're paying, you know, 10 to 15% interest, um, you need to look into loan consolidation and go talk to your bank. Um, just go into any bank and say, I'd like to talk about consolidating loans. And they'll set you up with an appointment. They might do it over the phone right now. And they can pay off all your bills and or all your debts and give you one debt. And the thing with that is that um, you can pay less interest on something. And right now the interest rates, rates are going down significantly and that's to stimulate the economy. Um, what that means is that banks are able to give you a loan uh, for far less interest and still be able to make some money off of it. And so there's never been a better time to consolidate your loans, and that can give you some peace of mind. Um, again, if you're stressing, there might be a reason for that. So figure out if there are reasons for that and solve the problems. When the sun is shining, when you're awake, when you have time to think about things. If you know, if you don't have time, maybe you need to tell your, your spouse, look, I really need an hour. Just give me an hour to go do to a coffee shop or to my room and close the door you take care of the kids and I just need to solve some things and figure out what it is that's stressing you and figure out how to fix it and then your hour is done and then you find solutions that you're reasonably happy with and you need to put the rest in God's hands and I hope that you do have a relationship with God um if not, I want to do a podcast soon about um, getting right with the big man and having a relationship with God so that, you know, as you do everything you can, there's a lot of uncertainty. There's a lot of things you can't control. You need to just put it the rest in God's hands and say, all right, God, um, we just trust you for the rest. It's been really remarkable for us. As I mentioned at the beginning, we made a major life decision based basically on we feel like it's the right time and God is leading us. And now um, with this all going on, we realize um, our ministry wouldn't have been able to continue for one thing. We didn't know that. But also uh, the place that we were is now the epicenter in Canada of, of this pandemic. And um, it's amazing when you feel like God is protecting you. Um, and it gives you, it can give you some peace of mind if you consciously focus your mind in that direction and say, yes, I'm trusting God. So then once that hour is done, 
you close your mind, you close potentially your phone, you, um, you're done. You're not thinking about it anymore. But you know that at one o'clock the next day, you're going to think about it again. And what that does for you is that as reminders come up, you might still stay on Facebook because that's your connection to the world. But as things come up and you're like, wow, that's new news, that's terrible. You're going to make a mental note or maybe a literal note. Um, One great way to remove stress is to make notes. Know that you're writing it down somewhere. That means that your brain doesn't have to remember it. That means there's less resources going towards remembering something. So I say delegate to paper. Write it down somewhere. And if you're writing down, okay, this is my list of things I'm going to look into at 1 o'clock tomorrow. That means as a stress comes up, as a trigger comes up, you're going to write it down. Move on with your day. The rest of your day is good. The rest of your day is healthy. And you're focused on doing your job. Or you're focused on, maybe if you don't have work, you're you're getting busy with something else. You're playing with your kids. Or you're figured out, this is my project for my extra time. Well, I don't have work. I'm going to write a book. Or I'm going to, I'm going to create a work of art. Or I'm going to renovate our house or whatever it is you're busy and you're accomplishing something and what that's doing is that's telling your deep brain things are okay there is danger stay awake to some extent but we got it managed we got it we got it handled sorted it and we are accomplishing things in the here and now and and then um when we get to bedtime I'm going to strongly advise you not to go on social media for three hours before bedtime. So if you're going to sleep, like most people around 10, just shut it off at 7 o'clock. Shut it off at at supper time and don't open it again that evening. I strongly, strongly encourage you right now, do not look at social media in the evenings. And why is that? That's because it takes a long time to, to wind down from adrenaline. It takes a long time to wind down from cortisol. It takes a long time to unspin the brain. And you need to rest. It's imperative that you rest. And so you need to have these spaces where, you know, you have a supper with your family and everybody connects and everybody talks and you don't talk about the virus and you um, you play with the kids and you do projects around the house and then you have an evening with your wife and you, you know, maybe you need to vent a little bit about the virus, but but here's our plan and here's what we're going to do and and then you sleep and your deep brain allows you to sleep because it says okay he's got a plan these are dangerous times but he is a strong person and we're going to get through this okay we can give resources to letting him sleep we don't need to keep him awake with nightmares to try and and figure this out we don't need to put resources that direction we need to put resources into digestion and immune system and rest and serotonin and joy create safe spaces that's what i'm talking about create a safe space around bedtime make your home your safe space you know make sure that you're doing what you need to to so that you know that when you come home you're safe and you know you can lay down <clears throat> and sleep and you're safe and that's going to tremendously help and heal your inner child. Um, a few more things here. Um, this should have gone into the one hour that we're talking about here. Set yourself up to weather the storm, whatever that might be, financially, uh, immune system, <clears throat> Uh, set yourself up to weather the storm. It will be a storm. Set yourself up for success and have a conversation with yourself and with other experts about how to do that. Um, While you're on social media during that hour or maybe a bit more, um, I tend to go on social media between about 1 and around 7 o'clock. That's kind of my time. Protect my mornings, protect my evenings. In that time, we do want to affect the world to some extent. We want to share the news so that other people know because some people rely only on Facebook for news. Um, Don't try and control people or events, though. You have some control through Facebook. 
but you really don't have as much as you think. And it, it takes tremendous resources to try and change other people. I've realized that the times that I've been the most stressed in my life are times when I've tried to con- control other people or change other people. And you can't change other people. You can't. You might be able to influence them, but that's impossible to predict. And you're just going to stress yourself out and you need your resources for your own things right now. So don't try and control people on social media or through other events. Um, You can influence them perhaps and then you need to let it go. You know, here's the information, hands off. I'm leaving it out there. You do what you want. I'm not stressed about it. Don't spend the rest. Don't don't spend 24-7 stressing about how to change the world. Uh, because that is going to stress you out significantly. Um, stay humble about your prophetic abilities. Um, this is a good one for me because I like to think I know history, so I know the future. And that was really stressing me out as I was hearing more and more about this. I was seeing pretty quickly, this is a big deal. Uh, and if that happens, then this will happen. If this happens, then that will happen. You know, um, And some of those things are happening. But there's also things I couldn't predict. I could not predict that the government would step in like it is right now and giving people stimulus packages. Um, and I can't predict um, if a vaccine will come up tomorrow and this all this whole thing will blow over. I can't predict if, you know, maybe we'll find out that... Um, well, I just can't predict the future. So you can't predict... Usually when we predict the future, we're prophets of gloom and doom about how terrible it's going to be. And Christianity has tended to excel at this because we're all about end times, conspiracy theories, and how the world is going to end. Many of us were raised with this. Just stay humble. You know, I believe it was Amos that said, I am neither a prophet nor the son of a prophet. Just, I don't know. I don't know what's going to happen. Um, But I know God's going to take care of me. I know that I'm a competent person that um, will make a, take appropriate steps and measures, and this is something that is beatable, and I'm going to beat it. Um, so the last thing is just to keep your vision short. Um, you can't predict the future. You can't control others. You can't control the future. You're going to... Um, I mean, it's it's like... A little person trying to to move a ship standing on a dock and trying to push an ocean liner like you can't move it you can't move these things but you can destroy yourself trying what you can do is focus on your own circle of influence what's going on in your brain are you part of the hysteria or are you part of the calmness in your home and then spreading out from there to um the world through social media and, and workplace and other things. Are you part of, are you calm, but also taking time to think about things and fix them? That's going to make a difference in this world. Um, or are you spiraling? And as you spiral, you're taking others with you and you're destroying your health before you even get sick. You're destroying your health, putting shutting down your immune system Or are you calm, collected, eating well, sleeping well, keeping yourself in the best physical condition you can so that if perchance you get this virus, you'll take it just like you take any other virus when you're healthy and it'll be bad, but you'll get over it. Um, All right, I think that's about all I want to say. Um... I'm feeling inspired to end this in a very counterintuitive way. I think that what this brings up is a fear of death. And that's something that I have a solution for. If you're afraid of dying, um, Christianity has the answer for that. And the answer is this. Um, The reason you're afraid of dying is because you know you're a sinner. You know you've done bad things. And you know you've done good things too, but when it really comes down to it, you're not sure if you've done more bad than good. And so the answer of Christianity is to say, look, you've you've done way more bad than good. Don't even look in that direction. You can't balance the scales that way. 
but the scales can be balanced through forgiveness. Forgiveness doesn't happen just because God snaps his fingers, because God is just. We wouldn't want God to just wink at sin and say, oh, whatever. Doesn't matter. Sin doesn't matter. We want him to care about sin because he is just, and we want to believe that we live in a just world. And we do, we do live in a just world. It wouldn't be right if we didn't. And so a price has to be paid. And the price was paid by Jesus Christ. Who is Jesus Christ? Jesus Christ is the Son of God. God actually came to this world to live a life as we did, yet without sin. And he died for us, which means the price is paid for all the sins that we did. So how do you... So does that mean that all the all the sins for everybody is paid? No, because in, again, murderers and rapists and, and terrorists would just get into heaven with without... And average sinners like you and me would get into heaven without ever being held account for their sins. And so the answer of, of Christianity is to say, look God, I've sinned. I'm a sinner. I know it. I'm not going to try and hide it. I'm not going to sit here and try and tell you that I've done these amazing things and that counterbalances. No, you and I both know I'm a sinner. I need you to forgive me. I know that you can't just snap your fingers and forgive me because you're a righteous judge. But I heard that you paid the price for my sins. I heard that Jesus Christ, your son, paid for those sins. And so right now, I pray, I ask... And you can ask this with me if you want. Rewind it. Listen to it again. Ask it with me. I ask that you would just take my sins and metaphorically and spiritually put them on that cross. Everything I've ever done, put it on that cross. And pay for it. So that I don't have to pay for it. Because when I, if I die, when I die, I don't want to have this sin on my soul. I can't, I can't face you with this sin on my soul. Please take this sin away. And if you've prayed that with me, I'm here to tell you that happens. That happened. God took those sins and he put them on Jesus. And the righteous judgment that should have fallen on you fell on him at 33 AD on a Roman cross on a terrible day and there was a solar eclipse for three hours, or there was darkness for three hours to represent in an earthquake. And these things are historically verifiable. This happened to represent the pain of what happened and also to represent that it's done. You're forgiven. Your sins are washed away. And what that means, my friend, is that if you were to die tonight and go to meet your maker, he would look at you and see somebody who is without sin and who is clean. And as, our, as we believe that our souls live eternally, that means your soul will live eternally without sin instead of eternally living with the sins of this life attached to you. And that is a wonderful thing. And if you've made some sort of a decision like that, if you've prayed that prayer, if you felt your sins lifted, that's it. You're a Christian. Um, and uh, I'd encourage you to look into more resources on this podcast, um, to look into other pastors. Um, Bruxy Cavey is a great, with The Meeting House, is a great pastor in Canada that I really enjoy listening to. Mark Driscoll with um, Mars Hill is a great pastor in the United States that I like listening to. Uh, those might be two great places to start listening to more sermons and you know, find out more about this faith. Um, it's not just your grandma's faith. It's not just something for weak people. It's something that gives us tremendous peace of mind. And from there... From this basic starting point of dealing with our sin problem, that when we stop and think about it, that is the problem. That is why we fear death. 
From there, we start asking, well, how can I live differently now that I don't have sin weighing me down? How can I float higher? And we start looking to the example of Jesus and seeing Jesus didn't have sin weighing him down. He wasn't trying to counterbalance something. He wasn't trying to earn something. He was just living as a good person because he didn't have sin. And there's a joy in goodness and he wanted to be good. And so we start living more and more like Jesus did. And it's a beautiful thing to behold. And it's a beautiful thing to find a community of people that are doing their best to live a good life and be decent human beings. Um, not all Christians are. Not all people that say they're Christians are trying their best. Not all people that say they're a Christian are a Christian. But it's a beautiful thing when you find a group of people that their sins are dealt with and they're all collectively trying their best to be decent human beings and um, make a difference in the world. And uh, it'd be beautiful if uh, some of my listeners would join that community and would decide to be Christians and would decide to find a church, find online churches right now because going to church is probably not the best thing. A literal literal church with handshakes and all that sort of thing. All right, I think I'm going to wrap this podcast up here. God bless you. And uh, maybe I'll pray. Thanks, Lord. Thanks, Lord, that you've paid for our sins and that you gave us a reason to live and that you've taken away the fear of death. And as we face uncertain times, we have both. Of, we have need of both of these things. We need a reason to live. And we need you to take away the fear of death. And I thank you that you've done this for us. In Jesus' name, amen.